I do want to tell you, last Sunday morning, Shelbo and I were blessed and privileged to find ourselves sitting in uh, the world-famous Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas. The church where renowned founding pastor and absolutely outstanding preacher, Pastor John Hagee, founded. And the worship experience was wonderful, and the preaching from Pastor Matt, who is Pastor John Hagee's son, was excellent. I mean, the word was excellent. However, my heart was, was here. My body was there, but my heart was here. And I had already watched online the 8.45 a.m. service, and I heard the fantastic word that Shauna Sizemore shared with each of you. And while she would be, I was thinking about what she would actually be bringing to you at the moment I was sitting in Cornerstone Church waiting for church to start because there's an hour time difference. And I was thinking about our church when I can't really describe to you with words the impression. You know, I don't say this a whole lot, but the impression by the Spirit that I experienced when I literally heard almost audibly in my ears the words, I just feel like something good is about to happen. How many has ever heard that old song? Knows those lyrics to that old song. And as soon as I heard those words, I started thinking about the lyrics to that song while another worship song was going on there. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord was prophetically speaking to me. I I truly did. I don't say that to you a lot, but I felt like the Spirit of the Lord was prophetically speaking to me specifically about this church. That something good is about to happen. Something bigger than you and I could have imagined. Something greater than what we have dreamed. What is it, Pastor? Is it a miraculous healing? Is it that God is going to move on the hearts of some givers to give enough money to pay off the building so the church can do even greater works of the ministry? Is it that God, and this is what I pray for, is going to send a soul-saving, life-changing revival that will produce an influx of people to the body of Christ and more specifically to this local church? Is it that drug addicts are about to be freed? That alcoholics are about to be delivered? That marriages are about to be restored? Or that prodigal sons and daughters are about to come running back to the Father's house? I don't know exactly what it is this morning. But this one thing I do know. God has already spoke to me that something good is about to happen. And as those things were going through my mind about here, while I was sitting there in that service, all of a sudden after the worship was over and I was still meditating on those things, and during a sermon I had never heard before, a sermon that was not about what I'm preaching about today, a sermon that used a different passage of scripture, had a different title, took a different approach, and preached a different topic than than what I'm going to preach to you today. It was a wonderful sermon, but completely different. Right in the middle of that sermon, while God was speaking to me about this church, Pastor Matt Hagee said these words. He stopped preaching and he said, I just feel like something good is about to happen. And Shelbo can testify to you, I was sitting there and I went, whoo, 
I mean, I felt it when he said it. You know, sometimes God begins to speak to us, but he also sends us confirmation. Anybody glad for confirmation this morning? So that we will know when he speaks to us that it is actually him who is speaking. And in this particular instance, he was birthing a message inside of me. And all week long, he has been developing this message in me. This may look really simple to you, but I immediately went back to the hotel and grabbed a piece of note paper off the notepad they had and just began to jot some things down that the Lord dropped into my spirit. And he has been developing this message in me all week long. And I, have, I came to the realization through a lot of prayer when I had the opportunity this week. I didn't have much of a free schedule at all. Business meetings that started at 8.30 ended if we were lucky at 4.30 and church started back at 7. But you needed to be there by 6.15 if you wanted a halfway decent seat. Service last until 9.30, then you had dinner, it was 11 o'clock, you fell into bed and got up at 6.30 and got ready for the next day's business session all week long. So I didn't have a lot of extra time, but in all of my time that I did have and I prayed, I came to the realization that before we see something good happen in this church on a corporate church-wide level, God has given me the charge this morning as a pastor to encourage some of you in this body of believers to hold on in the midst of what you may be going through this morning and remind you that if, say if, if you will hold on and not give up, something good is about to happen for you right in the middle of your circumstance. Now listen, there's so much scripture, so many documented events in this Bible that I could use to encourage you in the midst of your trouble that we would be here all day long and all night if I used them all. So I won't do that. Say thank you, Pastor. Now listen, I know some of y'all think I'm long-winded, but I've also come to this conclusion this week. I don't preach as long as anybody I've heard the last five days. But I'm going to limit myself this morning to five things. I had four and God gave me one more. But five things, if you'll afford me the opportunity to share them with you and if you will offer me your undivided attention for just the next few moments. So that means if you don't have to exit, don't exit. If you do, I understand. But if you don't, don't. The first one is found in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. I'll be reading from the NIV. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennad... Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, which is Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sail. I want to tell you this morning that when you're doing all you know to do according to the word of the Lord and nothing seems to be going right. Anybody ever been there? You're doing everything you know to do by this book. Nothing seems to be working. Nothing seems to be going right. There's no fruit for the labor. 
There's no blessing in the finances. There's no harvest for the ministry. It seems like it doesn't matter what you do. Nothing seems to make a difference anyway. Anybody ever felt like that? I want to tell you this morning, don't you get weary in your well-doing. I said, don't you get weary in your well-doing. And furthermore, don't you dare brush off a fresh word from the Lord because it sounds like the same instructions that you've been given at least a hundred times in your life. When somebody opens this book and reminds you of what Jesus said, he said to Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Listen, don't you say, nope, done tried it, didn't work. Done fished off both sides. Not going to do it again. I know sometimes that's what we do. I I was given a word this week about a pastor who used to pastor in the church of God. His daddy was a church of God minister for many years. He Not only is he not pastoring anymore, he's not a minister anymore. Not only is he not a minister anymore, he's not even attending church anymore. Listen to your pastor this morning. When you're doing everything you know to do that's right and nothing seems to be working, don't you dare say, I've done tried that. I've done heard that word. I'm not going to do it again. It's not going to make a difference. No sir, no ma'am. Here's what you need to do. You need to do what Peter did. See, Peter, I want to tell you, first of all, it's okay. I'm going to give you a license this morning to say something. It's okay to say, Pastor, that's what I've been doing. And it doesn't seem to be working. It's okay to say that. Because sometimes, let's just be real in this house today. Sometimes that's just the facts, folks. Sometimes that's just the facts. But don't you forget the rest of what Peter said. Peter said, but because you say so, I'm going to do it again. You say, what are you talking about, pastor? I say, I'm telling you, I'm talking about obedience to God's word. When nothing seems to be working outright, you remember God's word. When nothing seems to be going right, you remember God's word. When somebody reminds you what the word says, don't you say, I've done done it. I'm not doing it again. You stick to the instruction manual. Can I tell you this morning, there is no other instruction manual. There is nothing new under the sun. God orchestrated this book. And every I that's dotted, every T that's crossed, every word that's written is for us. Stick to the instruction manual when it seems like nothing's working. Keep going to church. Can I get an amen? Keep on worshiping. Keep on reading your Bible. Keep on praying. Keep on paying your tithes. Lord have mercy. Keep on showing up and serving where God's called you to serve. Keep on keeping on. Because God said so. Because This Bible said so. And because if you do, I'm here to tell you this morning, just when you least expect it, something good is going to happen in your life. The second thing I want to share with you today is found in the book of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. Familiar story, then I'll drop down to verse 32. Now a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This is important. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
When they heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping... And the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called with a loud voice. He was a Pentecostal. Say amen, somebody. Jesus cried with a loud voice, and he said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want to tell you this morning, when the situation that you are facing seems hopeless, when you've even given up, although you might even be surrounded by the evidence of defeat, How many knows that when you're praying for healing and there's a body in the tomb, there's evidence of defeat? But I want to tell you this morning, don't you give up. Don't you lose heart. Because this God that we serve is a God who specializes in resurrecting dead things. This God that we worship is a God who specializes in resurrecting dead things. See, he knows how to call dead things back to life. Dead situations. Dead dreams. Dead marriages. Dead ministries. Dead churches. Dead business ventures. Dead, lifeless things. Hopeless situations. And even when you are looking face to face... Into a situation that wasn't supposed to turn out this way. Even then. Don't you forget what God said. Eric if you would go back with me to verse 4. When he had heard this. Jesus said. This sickness will not end in death. No. It is for God's glory. That God's son may be glorified through it. Can I tell you this morning. That what God says. It will come to pass. It doesn't matter what it may look like right now, my Lord. God will keep his word. I want you to listen to me. There's a saying in this society we live in. There's lots of sayings, but one of them is listen to me, Linda. Anybody ever heard that one? 
Well, I've got another one for you this morning. And when I say it, you're going to understand why. If God said it in His Word, if God spoke it to you, it will come to pass. Listen to me, Martha. Are you with me? She said, Lord, if you'd been here. She said, Lord, he's been dead four days. He already stinks. There's already a bad odor. Listen to me, Martha. Don't even speak it. That situation you're going through, don't even speak it. Don't you even let the doubt leave your lips. See, I remember when I had, many of you have heard the story. Some of you here this morning may not have. But I remember when I had a massive blood clot in my leg. And and they let me lay at Murder Mount Hospital. Can I get a witness? They let me lay up there for six long days. It's St. Joseph now. It's, it's, It's better, I think, than it was. I was in the old building. They let me lay up there with the blood clot for six days. My leg swelled. It was swollen when I got there, but you've heard the story. It swelled to 36 inches in diameter at the top before I left that hospital. But I remember before I left the hospital, a lady who teaches Sunday school at a church of God across town, a wonderful lady, her name is Anna Breeding. She walked into my hospital room and she came to pray for me. And I'll never forget her looking at me and she said, Sean Disney, I want to tell you something. I don't care what they come in this room and say to you. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what kind of report you get. Don't you speak one negative word over your life. Do you hear me? You don't let one negative word leave your lips over the situation. You quote the word. You pray the scripture. You stand on and trust in God and God will move for you. She told me that before they wrapped me up in a cocoon put me in a helicopter and said, if you even survive the flight to Lexington, they're going to amputate your left leg when you get there. She told me that before I got to UK hospital and they said, you've got cancer in your body. That's where this blood clot came from. We don't know where it's at, but we've got to find it. That was before they told me, you're going to lose your leg. It'll never function again. It'll never be the same size, the same color. Thank God they're both the same color. I'd be all, they're both the same size. They're both fat. I'd be all right if they're smaller but thank God God didn't speak one negative word over what God was able to do in my life I want to tell you something this morning listen to your pastor Martha don't you even speak it don't you let the doubt leave your lips just shut your mouth and hold on to God because I've been around in this thing long enough to know a few things and one of the things I've learned is this When you find yourself wondering where Jesus is and when he's going to show up, if you'll just keep holding on, he will show up. I said he will show up. It may not be in your time, but it'll be in his. And when he shows up, just one word. (laughs) Just one word from the mouth of God will resurrect those things that were dead. I came to tell somebody this morning, if you'll make up your mind to hold on. Something good is about to happen in your life. The third one I want to share with you this morning is found in the book of Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there and they'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. 
Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins so he said to the paralyzed man I tell you get up Take up your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I want to tell you this morning, when the situation has paralyzed somebody with a need, when they have been through a battle... That has left them paralyzed. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? You know there are some situations. There are some things in this life. That one can go through. Good people. That already know Jesus. There are some things in this life that we can go through. That may cause us to need somebody to carry us to Jesus. Grief. Anybody ever been there? The loss of a loved one. Particularly, I can't even imagine the loss of a spouse or a child. Depression. Folks, it's real. It's a real thing today. I remember when I was several years ago working at the bank, me and a colleague of mine, another loan officer, Verna Klein, had a mutual friend that we both had worked with at different institutions at different times in our careers. And, and she had not worked for the institution that we were working with at the time, but she had accounts with us. And we had to contact her about those accounts. And she was in uh, severe uh, financial stress and had gone into depression. And we could tell that by talking to her on the phone. So it became more than just a collection call. I thank God that I worked for an institution that literally this happened. Me and Verna just walked into Don, uh, Don Ashley's office. He was our executive vice president. And I said, I said, God's put this on my heart. We called her. She said this. She shared with us on the phone that it was so bad she was considering taking her own life. And I said, we got to go. He said, that's fine. Absolutely. Go ahead and go. And me and Verna hopped in the car. And we drove to her house. And we knocked on the door. And nobody answered And we kept knocking on the door And nobody answered And then finally when she opened the door Her face was swollen where she had been crying Lives in a beautiful home in South Corbin We went inside Every drape, every blind in the house was pulled It was so dark you barely could see your hand in front of your face And I want to tell you You might find this ironic and strange But a Bible believing Catholic And a Pentecostal preacher Prayed her out of a state of depression She didn't have to give up We prayed her out of that situation I thank God I worked for a place that allowed us to go do that but the depression was real she needed somebody to get to her and carry her to Jesus I want to tell you something this morning there are things you can go through in this life that will cause you to need somebody to carry you to Jesus anxiety financial press and stress stress and pressure that I've already mentioned I'm calling on some believers in this house this morning to open your eyes 
Survey your surroundings and identify those who may need somebody to pick them up and carry them into the presence of God. We get in such a hurry. Rush here, rush there. We, we want to go to church and worship for ourselves, but what did we pass along the way this week? Who did we encounter that needed somebody to carry them to Jesus? I want to encourage you this morning, open your eyes and look around. And the crowd, sometimes the crowd may be great. It may look impossible. But put some motion in your faith. If there's a problem with the church today, it's because we're believers. We've got faith, but we ain't got no works. We ain't putting no motion behind our faith. I'm glad you're saved and here in church this morning. But the reason we don't see the miracles we used to see years ago is because we don't put any motion behind our faith. Open your eyes and put your faith into motion and carry them to Jesus. Tear the roof off if you have to. Because every time we carry folks to Jesus, you can take it to the bank. Something good is going to happen in their life. Where would that lame man by the gate be today if Peter and John had just passed him up in their rush to get to the temple at the hour of prayer? I tell you what he would not have been. He wouldn't have been healed. He wouldn't have been healed. But he got Peter and John's attention. They stopped what they were doing and said, we ain't got any money. But let me tell you what we do have. We didn't take money to that woman's house. But let me tell you what we did take to her. We took some hope in the word of God. There's worse things, folks, than not being able to pay bills. There's worse things than losing material things in this life. There's much worse things. But let me tell you where there's hope. I can tell you where there's hope. I can tell you where there's strength. I can tell you where there's joy. I can tell you where there's provision. You'll find it all in the word of God. Stop and slow down. Don't be so busy that you, can't, that you pass up people who need you to carry them to Jesus. But there's also another perspective of this that I also want us to consider this morning. And that's when the circumstances of life have left you paralyzed. When life has knocked you down. And you can't find the strength in your spiritual legs to stand back upright again. Just please do this for me. Please hang out close to the church. Did you hear me? Hang out close to the church. Keep hanging out near the family of God. Determine in your heart that although it seems like I'm not, and I know some people may be there, I'm not even able to put one foot in front of the other, but I, I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep reading the word. I'm going to keep lifting my hands in worship because Jesus is still worthy and family is still family. That's why we refer to this as a family around here because listen, the family of God, the true family of God, won't leave you paralyzed. I said the true family of God won't leave you paralyzed. The family of God won't let you lie motionless and helpless. The family of God knows that if they get to you... See, this is why it's important where you go to church. Don't get upset at me this morning, but I'm just going to say it. Not every gathering is a family of God. It's important who you're hanging around. The real family of God knows that just one touch from Jesus will raise you up 
put you back on your feet. The family of God knows that if they can just get you to Jesus, something good is going to happen in your life. One more before they come to the music today. It's found in the book of Acts chapter 16. Familiar story beginning in verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew the sword that was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushing in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Folks, when you find yourself imprisoned, when you have been stripped and you've taken a spiritual beating, when last week felt good, but this week feels like all hell has broken loose in your life and it's captured you, it's beating you, and it is currently holding you hostage. Listen to your pastor this morning. Don't you ever forget that the eyes of the lost are watching you. The eyes of influential people who don't really know Jesus are watching to see how you react when you're walking through the deepest darkest hours of your life that maybe you don't even deserve to be walking through. All you were doing was living for Jesus. All you were doing was serving Him. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this spiritual arrest came. And before you knew what was happening, you were spiritually stripped and spiritually beaten. Blow after blow after blow. And what was a cloud-jumping walk with the Lord last week has become a painful, dark night in the corner of a spiritual jail cell. But I want you to hear me this morning. It's important how you react. I said it's important how you react. My God, if he was God before the attack, He's still God after the attack. He's God in the midst of the attack. If he was worthy before the attack, he's still worthy after the attack. And I got another one for you. If you were saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost before the imprisonment, you're still saved, sanctified. And if you had the real thing, you're still filled with the Holy Ghost. That's when you learn the difference between emotionalism and the real deal. Can I get a witness? Don't you sit down in a corner somewhere and say, Woe is me. Everything's going wrong. You know, we, we used to have testimony service years ago. 
you say, why don't we ever have one now? I stopped having them. If I want you to testify, most of the time I'm going to ask you. Because Lord knows if I open the floor, somebody's going to stand up and say, the devil's beat me half to death this week. Everything's going wrong. No. Listen, don't you dare sit down in a corner somewhere and say, woe is me. The devil's beat me half to death. No. No. What you need to do is shift your focus. You need to realign your focus at what you're looking at. Stop giving the devil any credit for the attack and the imprisonment and shift your focus back on the goodness of God because your attack did not change his worthiness. I said your attack did not change his worthiness. Your imprisonment did not change his goodness. I don't know what Paul and Silas might have began to sing that night, but I know whatever it was, it was praise to God. Maybe they sang something. Now, there's some young folk in here today that won't have a clue about this, but maybe they sang something a little like this. Maybe they said, I just feel like something good is about to happen. Anybody know that? I just feel like something good is on its way. He has promised that he'd open all of heaven. If you know it, sing it. And brother, it could happen any day when God's people humble themselves and call on Jesus. And we look to heaven expecting as they pray. I just feel like something good is about to happen. And brother, this could be that very day. I don't know what they began to sing, but whatever they began to sing, I know it was praise to God. And when they began to sing, and when they began to worship God right in the middle of their circumstances, when you shift your focus and realign yourself on the worthiness and the worth of God right in the middle of your circumstances, something good is about to happen. Hallelujah. As they come to the music this morning, I want to share this one with you today. I had four. And sometime later in the week, I kept going back to this little piece of paper. That's why I stuck it in my computer so I could type it at the airport yesterday. And I went back one day last week toward the end of the week and I heard the Lord say to me, I I want you to share one more. So if you look at my paper, I started under the header and then had to go back and write one at the top. This one's found in the book of Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And this woman was healed at that moment. But watch this. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house, and he saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. Go away. This girl's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and he took the girl by the hand. She got up. 
And news of this spread all throughout that region. I don't know how many somebodies God is talking to today in both of these services and online. In all of these different scenarios and situations that I've shared with you. But I know this morning that some of you are praying for God to move on your children. And I also know that nothing can rend the heart of a parent more than something to do with your child. And I know sometimes the situation may not look very good. And along with that comes grief and fear and all of the what-ifs. Because when it's your child, you lose sleep. You lose your appetite. Your mind is constantly filled with worry and doubt. And I also know the more people who know about it, the more people who throw in their two cents about it, and that's about what their opinion is worth, the more opinions that are formed about it, the more talk that there is about it, the more noise that there is about it, the more hopeless it appears to be. But you hear your pastor this morning. Sometimes the enemy uses other people to create noise so that it's difficult for you to hear what God has to say. I want you to pay close attention again to what happened in verses 23 through 25 as Brother Eric puts it back on the screen for us. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and he saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. This girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Jesus said, this girl is not dead, but asleep. Mama, Daddy, you hold on to what God said about your children. You hold on to what God said about your baby. I feel the Lord this morning. You disregard all the other noise and you hold on to what God said. Sure, the crowd may laugh at you. They laughed at Jesus, but put them to the side. Did you hear me? Put the noise to the side. Put the crowd to the side. How do you do that, Pastor? I'll tell you how to do that. Stop responding to the text. Stop looking at what they posted on social media. Stop listening and giving them place to hinder your faith. And you make up your mind that you're going to hold on to what God said about your baby. God said, she ain't dead. She's just sleeping. I know that sometimes we want to put a, a status on people and we want to say it's done too late they're done too far gone it's already over but that's the noise of the enemy that we're hearing God said Woo! hallelujah God said it ain't over God said they're not dead God said Go away. Get out of here. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to hold on to what God said. I came to tell somebody today.
If you'll keep holding on to what God said. If you'll keep holding on to what God said. You mark it down. Something good is about to happen. Verse 25. After the crowd had been put outside. After. You got to run the crowd out. You got to run the crowd out. Now I know I just spoke in tongues and some of y'all got all nervous. I was raised in a Baptist home with a Baptist mama who literally opened the back door and would run the devil out. I don't know what kind of church y'all went to. She literally opened the back door and run the devil out of the house. I want to tell you sometimes you got to put away the noise. You got to take authority by God's word over the enemy and you got to say I know what it looks like. I know what it appears like right now. You think she's dead, but God said she's just sleeping. (laughs) You think she's gone, but God said, I'm going to get her up. Because the word said, when the crowd had been put outside, he went in. Gee, he went in, and he took the girl by the hand. Look what happened. She got up. Woo! Hallelujah. She got up. If you'll stand with me all over this room today, this altar call today is very simple. I don't know what you need from God today. But I'm about to open this altar. I don't know which scenario hit you this morning. Maybe several of them. But I'm going to tell you as your pastor this morning what you need to do. You need to forget about the crowd. Just go ahead and put the crowd aside. Forget about the crowd. You need to get down here and ask God. God, what do you have to say about it? And then you need to make up your mind. I'm going to hold on to what God said. I'm going to hold on to what God said. Because I promise you, when you do, I promise you, something good is going to happen.